1: Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Meet the Visionary Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run business is run SAP. You'll hear from thought leaders who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to address societal topics, and more importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham.
0: Welcome, 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 and if you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you're in the right place, and you're in a very exciting place today. The buzz on the street, the buzz on the water, I should say, is, and the crowd, (coughs) excuse me, the crowd roars and roars and roars. We're going to be talking about the ultimate sports fan experience. What is it? Who wants it? Who's asking for it? How do we give it to them? I'm going to try not to sing here a little line from a song that was written way back in 1880. I heard it as a child, Sailing sailing over the bounding main, those of you familiar with sailing from way back when remember it probably is a sport with fond memories. People sailing out on a Sunday afternoon on a calm body of water, a bay or a lake. maybe a picnic boat was packed a picnic basket was packed, and they stopped along the shore and had a lovely time and Then they caught a good gust of wind and they sailed back to home base and took the sailboat apart. It was just a lovely, leisurely type of thing, not anymore. Sailing has entered the realm of extreme sports. The players, the teams, the coaches want to perform at their best. And the fans need access on demand right now this very second to the sports facts, to the performance analysis, who is on that boat, what is their track record, what are they doing. And this winning combination is delighting more than 50 million sports fans just last year in 2014. It is a fact. We're talking about the partnership the marriage of technology and sports. What are they doing? They're using analytics software that helps the teams play, run, ride, drive, and sail better and win more. Quick example, when sunny Singapore welcomed the first leg of the Extreme Sailing Series last year, the latest 3D visualization software enabled the racing teams to do what the fans wanted, sail better, sail faster, and sail simpler. That's a keyword we're going to talk about. And the fans roared. So let's see if we can take this idea of technology and sports as marriage and extend it to how businesses in general can use new technologies for a win-win-winning fan experience in their own marketplace. Big topic. We're ready to get started. I have two phenomenally interesting people on the show today. Can't wait to hear them. And here is my first guest. He is Rasmus Kostner. He is the co-CEO, skipper, and tactician – for the SAP Extreme Sailing Team, and Rasmus has sent me a wonderful quote from Paul Bert Elfstrom, who is a yachtsman from Denmark, who won four gold medals at the Olympic Games, won 11 world championships in eight different types of boats, and I won't get into the details. Here's the quote, you haven't won the race, if in winning the race, you've lost the respect of your competitors. Rasmus Kostner calling in from Copenhagen. How are you today, Rasmus?
2: Very good, thank you, and thanks a lot for having me on the, on the show.
0: App, I'm delighted. The privilege is all mine. Talk to me about the quote, and then, then we'll find out a little bit about you and your involvement with sailing. But why did you pick this Paul Elfstrom quote for today about the ultimate fan experience?
2: I think there, there are many things in, in this. Uh, first of all, I think a quote that means something to you um, has to come from a, a person that you look up to and, and you respect and respect. Uh, Paul Edstrom is um, one of the most successful sailors in the, in the world, and he is Danish, as I am. And mm-hmm. in our small country, then um, we we don't have a lot of idols like uh, like him that were able to dominate his uh, his sport in in decades. Decade. So uh, he's definitely standing out in our country. Um, what was so special about Paul Edelstrom was that uh, that he changed the sport, and, and he and he also changed the sailing industry. And uh, his attention to details. Um, Led to new ways of of training and and even producing sales and and um, they're still producing sales with the Elsrom uh, logo um, today and um, I guess his his drive for winning was uh, was huge and um, he he took all the rules to to the, to the absolute extremes mm-hmm. um, but at the same time he was uh, he was a true sportsman and he believed in fair play and and good manners and I think that's something that is really important in. And and I think that a uh, thing that is very central in um, in that Soto universe that I'm a part of um, that is uh, called sports.
0: Thank you, Rasmus. Very interesting. <clears throat> excuse me. Very interesting take on on the idea of respect and uh, winning on for the right reasons. And yeah, I love the quote, and and I love the fact that you have brought this into the idea of extreme sports, where we think of. Do or die, I hate to use the die word in there, but we have to win, damn it. We're gonna pull out all the stops, we're gonna harness every bit of technology, every bit of wind power, and we'll talk later about the variability of mother nature is still at play and sailing, you still have to deal with the wind, and and the idea of different types of materials in the boats you use. But Rasmus, before I introduce our second guest, I, I just wanted to bring up for our audience that you started sailing at the age of seven and you started sailing in a boat called the Op an Optimist. I find that fascinating that sailboats are called optimists because here you are, I don't know how old you are, but how many years later, optimistically entering into the world of extreme sailing. Any comments? What is an optimist? And age seven, that sounds like a great age to start sailing. It didn't. It wasn't extreme in those days, was it, Rasmus?
2: <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's many years ago. Uh, but um, no, I, th- I think that's a great platform. And the optimist uh, thing is... Uh, there's a small box that uh, that you uh, can't easily capsize in so it's a it's a good and safe platform to to start off uh, with sailing and and I think I really enjoyed uh, being on the on the water and were able to to pick where you are going there there are no roads on on the water so you can choose where you want to go as long as you have a little bit of water underneath the, the the keel so I really enjoyed being out there and um yeah things um things evolve and um, and then yeah, I find myself uh, here today in, in, uh, in an extreme uh, sailing circuit with fast boats. And uh, it's definitely some, some time ago, but, um, but the joy for sailing, being on the water and reading the conditions is, uh, is still there and, and I think will always be.
0: Wonderful. Pleasure to meet you, Rasmus, and thank you so much for joining us today. And now I'd like to bring on our second panelist, and yes, we have just two because they are so powerful and have so much great information. That's all we need for a great show today. I'm pleased to welcome Chris Burton, the head of SAP Global Marketing Partnerships. We'll find out a little more, more about Chris. And Chris sent me a wonderful quote from Steve Jobs, who needs no introduction. And here's the quote, the only way to do great work is to love what you do. Chris Burton, welcome. How are you today?
3: I'm really well. Thank you. Glad to be with you from London.
0: Wonderful. What time is it there right now, Chris? It
3: is 3 in the afternoon,
0: 3.07. So it's almost tea time. We'll yeah, talk about that in a minute. We'll time. talk about <laughs> that in a minute. Caught you by surprise. Tell me about this quote from Steve Jobs. How does this apply to our topic about the ultimate fan experience and the crowd roars and sailing? Yeah, talk to me, Chris. I, I
3: think there are a couple of reasons why this is important. First of all, you have to connect fans with something that they love. Um, I think there's no secret that Rasmus loves sailing and has a lifelong passion mm-hmm. for that. And if someone is passionate about something, they're going to look at it differently, either in work or in play and in life. And for me, in the work that I do with SAP or the work that I do outside of of my business day, you, you have to love what you do, and then uh, things happen in a very different way. So that's why the quote is so powerful. Find something that you love and, and make it meaningful to whatever part of life that you're a part of.
0: Chris, I know you love what you do because you do it so well. Tell me a little bit about your thoughts on extreme sports, especially extreme sailing. Is this something that's joyful, something that's challenging? Uh, And we'll get into later in the show the business aspects that we can permutate from the sports world into business world. We're going to talk a little bit about that later. But what do you love about extreme sports and sailing in particular?
3: I grew up sailing as well. And uh, ah. it, it has been a part of my my work life, my entire career at SAP. I've been here nearly twenty three years, so I've, I've been involved in various components of sailing, but specifically extreme sailing. Let let's take the extreme out of it. It is amazing when you watch these boats fly their hulls across the water. But the piece for me that is the game changer is the fact that the boats sail very close to shore. It, is, in layman's terms, is called stadium sailing. And mm-hmm. what that does is it completely changes the fan experience because the spectators are able to see exactly what's happening out on the water. In many other types of sailing, the the boats and the people that crew them would go way out to sea, and they would they would... Um, sail or compete on a a course that no one could see without Mm -hmm. GPS tracking or helicopters or drones in in the air. And in the extreme sailing series, we have just been really overwhelmed with the positive response from customers, partners that have participated in in extreme sailing with us because they get up close and personal and they can see what is happening from the shore and then the other piece that makes it even more interesting is you can put an extra man on the boat. In fact, each boat that's competing has an extra man or woman on board Thank that you. is nothing but a spectator. they become a part of that race. They, they're not actually sailing the boat, but they see everything that happens. They understand what is going on, and they become a part of the experience. So in, in today's world, especially with um, data-native people coming into the economy, and what I mean by data and digitally native, it's people who've grown up Mm -hmm. with mobile devices. that They expect a very different experience, and extreme sailing is one of those pieces of the world of sports that provides that level of, of interaction that maybe you haven't seen before in some of the other sports.
0: Thank you, Chris. I'm glad you mentioned stadium sailing. I did not know about that. I didn't think about it. But obviously, if you're going to watch, you need to have something to watch. So sailing close to the shore sounds interesting. And we, we can talk to Rasmus a little bit about how that works as far as uh, high speed and winds being so close to shore and how close to shore they actually are. But I wanted to ask both of you, uh, before I get into what's in your cup today, which is part of our format, is what are you drinking? And I can't wait to hear your stories from both of you. When did technology get introduced into the sport of sailing? I think this is an important question. And my question to you, Rasmus, let me take you first, is are there purists who say, no, I don't want analytics. I don't want stadium sailing. I just want to wait for that helicopter news feed on the 6 p.m. news to see how the boats did. Is anybody objecting to this as far as you know, Rasmus?
2: There, there might be some people sitting with a compass in the middle of the ocean and, and sailing along, but uh, I don't think there's anybody in the extreme sailing series that is not using technology or not using uh, some of the tools that um, yeah makes you understand how you're performing. I think it's so crucial for you in in, in top sports that um, if it's a, if it's a benefit and beneficial for you, then then you have to use it. And uh, mm-hmm. I have a hard time believing that uh, any of, of uh, the competitors uh, in the Extreme Sailing Series uh, uh, is not using, using it. Um, it's, it's just too good.
0: It's just too good. Maybe it's sour grapes that it didn't work well for them. Chris Burton, your observation about introducing technology in what used to be a very pure leisurely sport. Thoughts?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think technology has to solve a problem. It, it can't get in the way. And there are people that, says, that mm. might say, do we, have all, do we need all of this technology? But one thing is for sure, if, if the engine or the power for sailing comes from the wind and the weather, being able to use technology to understand how to maximize that engine, which is very variable, unlike an engine on your, on your automobile, it, it's pretty powerful, and I think you will see most people want to be able to just to, to figure that out and then the skill still comes into play. you know how you trim your sails and how yes. which route you take across the water to achieve the fastest distance in the shortest amount of time is um is still a strategy, and it's one that is incredibly important. But I believe that uh, there are some people who who say this you know the the sport is pure. And it should be fine, but very few would say that technology has no place in sailing.
0: Thank you. Just wanted to cover that base. I'm going to go back to Rasmus Kostner and ask you. Well, you're you're in uh, Copenhagen, I believe, or or if not, where in Denmark? What time of the day is it for you right now, Rasmus? Are you drinking something fabulous, or what do you wish you were drinking? Talk to me, Rasmus Kostner.
2: <laughs> yeah. I'm in um, yeah I'm in Denmark and uh, it's uh, quarter past past uh, four in the, in the evening and uh, I'm drinking at cotado uh, if you don't know it's a uh, it's a Spanish name for an uh, espresso coffee It's with a small amount of uh, of milk in and um, I've always liked the strong espresso coffees um, like you get served in Italy and and other countries in the mm-hmm. Mediterranean um, but after living two years in Spain preparing for the Americas Cup then my absolute favorite um, became the cotado. And it's served in a small glass, uh, so you can see this uh, beautiful color. And, uh, yeah, it sounds a bit like I'm a coffee nerd, um, which I might actually be, be true. Um, last, last year, in my final pre- preparations for an, for an Ironman, I, I tried not to drink coffee uh, for the last couple of weeks. And uh, I had to admit that it was a little bit challenging the first couple of days. But um, I'm back with the coffee here, and uh, I hope that this uh, double cotado is going to last the rest of the program. <laughs> I'm sure
0: it will. How many cups of that can you have a day and still still keep your head on straight, Rasmus?
2: <laughs> yeah, I I have to um, to stay in control a little bit, so only two a day.
0: Only two a day. Do you do you drink that when you're sailing? Is that possible, or is that advisable? Uh, I should say.
2: <laughs> you know, when we're when we're racing, then it's a uh, high five uh, energy uh, drink, and uh, it's quite a lot you're consuming uh, in those uh, three hours we are we're racing. Yeah. I think I, I, might, uh, I might have the, the record, and I'm, I'm known for drinking a lot out on the water. So uh, in a hot day like in Rio or in Singapore, I might drink uh, five liters uh, during the three hours. So it's quite a lot of uh, energy drink there.
0: Wow. And one quick question before I ask Chris the same thing. Rasmus, when you get back to port after a race... What is your go-to drink? What do you prefer when you when you become a landlubber, if only very briefly? When you set foot on land, what kind of drink do you look for after the race?
2: After uh, after a long day in in the sun, then then you're looking mm-hmm. for something cold, and I like the sparkling water, and, and yeah, that's normally what we get when we get in. But uh, we're looking at restitution, and and also yeah, uh, need to be a little smart about it, but. Um, after regatta, I also enjoy a beer or two.
0: That's what I was looking for. Okay, thank you very much. Chris Burton, it's almost tea time, but that doesn't mean you have to tell me you're ready to drink a cup of tea. What's your favorite <sighs> beverage, or what are you drinking right now, Chris Burton, to power you for the radio?
3: Yeah, so I just arrived today from New York, so I'm a little jet lag, so I'm I'm having a coffee right now, um, just a black coffee with, with some uh, sweets But later today... My mm-hmm. go-to when I'm in the, the UK this time of year, because it's Wimbledon season and it's summer here, is what's called a Penns. Um, pens is an old, uh, spirit here that's UK based. It's a, it's a gin based drink and it's infused with all sorts of herbs and you mix it with lemonade and, and some sliced fruits like strawberries and, and other things and you enjoy it over ice with some mint and it is amazing. So I will have the traditional Pimm's cocktail at some point this evening or tomorrow evening while I'm here in London for Wimbledon.
0: Very oh, Wimbledon! That's right. Talking about sports, I wonder if that Pimm's is that P E N Z by any chance, Chris?
3: It's it's P I M M S.
0: Oh, Pim's. Pim's. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was trying to. Uh, okay, Pim's. All right. I'd like to look up the drinks. Yes, yes. There's a nice recipe here at chow.com. Gin based potation made in England from dry gin liqueur, fruit juices, low alcohol content, <clears throat> only 25%, has made it a great drink. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Well, guess what? They don't let Bonnie have any caffeine on radio show days. I am relegated to just a glass of cold water. But I have a pretty pink straw in my glass, and I'm enjoying it very much, trying to keep up with the two of you. My special guests today are Rasmus Kostner, calling in from Denmark, Chris Burton, calling in from the U.K. Our topic today is, and the crowd roars and roars and roars, the ultimate sports fan experience, the marriage of sports and technology, in particular, extreme sailing. We have so much more to speak with Rasmus and Chris about after the break. So I'm going to tell all of you to go out and get a sip of something, your favorite, whatever you're drinking today, and come back ready to hear more about our great topic today. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to be after the break. So we're going to go away for about 90 seconds, and don't you go away. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Justin out.
1: Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. The world is at an inflection point where we capture more information than ever before and are more interconnected. While this has led to technological breakthroughs where new industries have been created, there are still new areas evolving where billions of people can be reached. All it takes is to unlock the transformative power of technological change to improve people's lives. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how the digital world can lead to a better future for everyone. Meet the Visionary Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. listening to meet the visionary game changers presented by sap email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com and you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at twitter hashtag sap now let's get back to meet the visionary game changers
0: We are meeting the visionary game changers and today on our panel, just two, that's all it takes for a great conversation, Rasmus Costner. Oh my goodness, he has so many credits to his name, but we're just going to go today with he's the co-CEO, skipper and tactician for the SAP Extreme Sailing Team. He is joined by Chris Burton, head of SAP Global Marketing Partnerships, also a sailor and definitely into extreme sports and our tech expert today. So we're going to talk about, let's, let's start the roundtable, Rasmus. I'm going to read one of your notes you sent me before the show. I think it's a great way to start. Sailing, you say is one of the most complex sports where the most important factor is invisible and unpredictable, and you find that exciting. Split-second decisions are required, and they need a lot of work, stimulation, repetition. So, Rasmus, why don't you take us through who, who or what is this invisible, unpredictable force, and how does that play into technology? Talk to me.
2: Yeah, that's right. It's, it's really an, an, an amazing sport, and, and the most important, Important factor in sailing is the wind, because that's the engine and of the fuel for the for the boats. Um, and the boats are using sails to propel and themselves. So, uh, so whatever the wind is doing is really really important to your performance. And since you can't see air moving, then uh, then you're looking at reflections. So we're looking at flags, we're looking at the the surface of the of the water, and we're looking at the angles that the other boats are able to do on on the race course. So. You, you really need to, to pay a lot of attention on, on the environment and, uh, and what is happening with the, with the wind. And, um, yeah, then at the same time, wind is very unpredictable. We can maybe do a good forecast uh, over one hour or an area that, that is uh, one kilometer square meter. But, uh, but it's, it's hard when you're racing in an ed- even smaller um, area. So it is very unpredictable in our sport.
0: is how big are the boats? That you're sailing on, I'd love to know. I don't, I don't know that fact.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a forty feet boat, and uh, the reason it's mm-hmm. forty feet is uh, that it fits within a 40-foot container. So, uh, so we can go around the world with the, with this uh, circuit and and keep the the running costs down uh, and do a good show for the for the money. So, uh, I just returned from from Cardiff, where we uh, where we had a uh, yeah the fourth regatta this year in the Extreme Sailing Series, and uh, we packed the boat down um, a couple of days ago, and uh, it's on the way to, to Hamburg, so uh, it's a crucial part of the, of the concept that it's uh, 40 feet, and um, it, has, um, it has a sail area that is the same as a tennis court, and the boat weighs around 1,200 kilos, uh, all made of carbon and, and really, uh, really light and a really high-performance catamaran.
0: Mm, Thank you. Thanks for the specs. Appreciate it. Chris Burton, thoughts on what Rasmus just shared with us about this invisible, unpredictable element as well as what the sport is actually using, what what their tools are?
3: Well, I think there are three pieces that become really important. There's the unknown of what can happen out on the water, and that's Mm -hmm. based upon the wind, the current, the sea conditions, and the overall weather. So if if that's point number one, and then point number two is sailor skill. What can the sailor or his team do to get the best possible result as they're out on the water? And then the third piece is technology. So what role will technology play in providing the right information in the right form to do their job? And one of the things that I find fascinating is the ability to put sensors on the boats, and then to track that information so you can see your progress. You can also predict some of the things that are, are going to happen. You, you can look at a wind prediction tool or a current prediction tool to understand what might come next. So for me, I just get really excited when I see how technology that's also used in business is used in sailing mm-hmm. to solve complex problems.
0: Thank you, Chris. I'm going to bounce back to a couple more statements from Rasmus's list of, of talking topics here, Chris. And then we're going to get into the business aspects with you in just a minute. But we're, we're going to still go back and forth. Rasmus, you say competition makes us better humans. I think that could have been your opening quote as well. Uh, have you felt this way since you started sailing at age seven? Then we're going to get Chris's take on this. Competition makes us better humans. Why?
2: I think it's uh, it's uh, it's important to um, to have a goal and and to want to achieve something and I think that's very human that that, that we want to be be seen we want to be recognized for something and 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 that's how I use sport I, and I think that actually makes me a better person that uh, I compete and I um, I, I I get uh, valued for what I what I'm able to do and and I also need to to recognize my level and uh, if it's uh, not as high as I thought it would be then I need to work a little bit harder to get there um but I think it's it's really good for me uh, at least to to use the sport um for for how I am as a person and and to have respect for a lot of other people's uh, people around me and 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 the things that they achieve uh, so I do think that it makes me a better person that uh, that I'm competing, that I'm doing sport, and I have my own goal, and, and uh, mm-hmm. I do a lot of work to to, uh, to get there.
0: I, I appreciate that perspective, Rasmus. I, I think what I hear you saying is that you're competing against your own goals, your own challenges to yourself, being better in what you do, being a good sportsman but in your own skill set and your own achievements. Uh, I like that a lot, that self-reflection, basically holding up the mirror and competing with your own Track record or a sailing record, as well as competing against other people in the sport. Chris Burton, thoughts about competition? that you know, business is competitive. We freely throw that word around, don't we, Chris? When we say mm-hmm. you have to have to be there where your competitors are. You know, if you don't answer the phone right, your competitor will. If you're not in that marketplace, your competitor or an emerging competitor will be. Thoughts on competition as as in the context that Rasmus offered, Chris. <laughs>
3: yeah i I think there there's one concept that you do play to the level of your competition and mm-hmm. and and doing that will will put put you in a place that maybe you didn't think was possible before if If you don't think you can sail that course that quickly you you won't uh, if but if you think that you can or you know that you have to to survive then it it'll take you to a completely different place. Um, The thing that Rasmus said that I found really fascinating is he he always has to have a goal or he has to have something at the end of a process that he's striving for. Mm -hmm. And competition gives us that. Without competition comes complacency. And as we know, complacency can kill anything because you're just resting on your laurels and and going along, ho-hee, ho he, -he, which is really Mm -hmm. something that, Is like a cancer, uh, either in a sporting organization or in a business. So competition is fantastic. Um, I manage a team, and they're all very competitive. And that's absolutely fine by me.
0: Good. Thank you. Now, I'm going to get into the tech part here. Let's segue from from some of our philosophical discussions into technology. Rasmus, you say data makes you perform, predicting performance to perform well. Um, How does... When data first started coming in, the analytics and the, the sharing the team statistics with the fans, what was the thought among you and your colleagues, I'll call them, in the extreme sailing sport, Rasmus, in terms of how long did it take you to ramp up and grasp it? And why do you think that data makes you perform? Is, is that the source of the competition? You're looking at those numbers, those those fine shades of seconds or minutes and saying, ah, could have done better. Talk to me, Rasmus.
2: Yeah, no, I, I I think technology is is uh, is used also. Um, yeah, b- before extreme sailing series, I think a lot of the the, the people that came into the extreme Selling series uh, they come from Olympic, America's Cup campaigns and mm-hmm. so forth. And, and you you've used uh, technology in, in some way, maybe not as uh, as advanced as as this, but uh, you you obviously timing uh, your performance uh, in starts. Uh, you are you're filming video. Um, filming uh, your, your your performance and from that you you, you do get um, an idea of your performance and you can measure it but what is what is great with the way it's used in, in the extreme selling series is that you measure the, the performance of all the competitors and you do it in a way where everybody can see everybody's data and uh, I think that's a very interesting way where you have an even, uh, even um, play field everybody gets the same access, and uh, and then from there on you can you can use it as you want. And uh, of course you need to spend a little bit of time to get familiar with the system and understand it. But uh, I think when when you when you spend a little bit of time, then you understand. Oh, I could I can I can see my starts in a very easy and simple way. So I don't need to uh, look through a lot of video material to to understand how the start went. Uh, I can just log on and see it. I might even get an email after. The racing, that says exactly how close have I been to the start line with what speed. So uh, it works very simple and easy for for the sailors.
0: And Chris, thoughts on that? What are the fans actually getting out of this in terms of what are they seeing? What kind of stats? uh, What Rasmus is seeing on the boat? What are the fans actually seeing? What are we delivering to the fan experience in terms of technology, Chris? Let's do some level setting here.
3: Well, this is where it gets really fascinating. So okay. I know for a fact that Rasmus's wife doesn't always travel with him when he goes to Singapore or to Sydney or to Istanbul, but as a fan, she has the ability through the cloud-based solutions that are provided in Extreme Sailing to follow the progress of her husband's team. And I, as a fan, have the ability to follow the progress of the team that, that I want to follow. So No matter where you are in the world as a fan, you have access to that information because you do have tracking devices on the boats, and these beautiful 3D visualizations are being provided through cloud-based technology that provide a better fan experience. Conversely, if you are watching in the stadium along the shore as Rasmus and his team are sailing and competing against the other boats in the regatta, you have the same amount of information that can be overlaid. So sometimes when you're looking from the water, you're like, wow, is, is Rasmus's boat two meters in front or behind? Mm-hmm. And the way that the, the boats are sailing across the water, you it, it may not may not be quite clear to you, but then if you look at the visualization, it suddenly becomes radically clear, and you can see their speed over the water as well. So when you take the faraway fans' ability to have access to information no matter where they are in the world using cloud technology and then you take the enhancement to the actual in-stadium experience, I think you have a game changer to use a sports metaphor that provides people the ability to understand the sport that maybe they weren't able to understand before. But for me, and the reason it's so important, is Mm -hmm. what about that five-year-old Rasmus who maybe is just thinking, should I be a sailor? Would sailing be something that would be good for me? Having all this technology so that young people have access to the sport and can understand it more easily is a really powerful thing when you look at growing a fan base.
0: Rasmus, question. Is there a data center on the boat, on this 40, 40 foot boat? Is, where do you keep all this technology? Are there, is there a whole computer system? Is there a, a secure, weatherproof room? A cabin under lock and key where all of this equipment is kept. Do you have data scientists on the crew who is paying attention to the position of the sails and actually doing the implementation of what your technology is telling you you need to do to compete in a particular race? Rasmus, where is all this technology kept physically on the boat?
2: One thing for sure is that um, the boat can be very wet, so um, the equipment that we have on the boat is in waterproof bags, and it's uh, mm-hmm. hidden from from where we are on the, on the boat. So so we uh, so we don't knock it off when we are running around on the boat and and pulling hard on on the on the sheets. But what you have on the boat is a small device that measures um, the GPS um, the GPS position and um, and other uh, sensors we might have on the boat. Collected, and then every second we have um, that data transferred to either a station on shore or directly into a cloud, where that solution gets shared with everybody that can pull data down and look at it real time. So that's a Hana uh, solution platform that uh, works, in, yeah, um, on uh, on the go. It's uh, it's just um, yeah, you you connect, and then you can see all the data live. So. Um, we are not allowed to use the data when we're racing, and um, I'll, I'll tell you, it's so intense racing the boat that we might not have time for it even if we're allowed to, but all spectators and our coach and uh, commentators, they, they take all the data they, uh, they need and they want and, and follow the racing life, so um, it's, uh, it's very exciting.
0: Very exciting. That's what I wanted to hear, whether you're sitting there with one hand on the tiller and the other hand on a keyboard and saying, nope, go left, nope, go right. I I just just wanted to know how that that really works. Chris, I I feel a little more enlightened now and a little bit relieved. Uh, Chris, I want to segue into some of your topics now. Uh, We're going to talk about something called fan-to-brand businesses can learn from extreme sports use of technology. How does that work, Chris? What, what message do you give to companies who are listening and say, gee, that sounds really interesting but it sounds like it just is part of sports. What the heck does it have to do with me? What, what's the, the expansion of this topic to businesses in general, Chris?
3: Sure. I'm thrilled to talk about this. It's, it's something that, that's near and dear to my daily role. One of the things that, that we, know, we know for sure as we evaluate audiences is they, they want to be talked to in a language that they can understand. So one of the concepts is to identify sport, art, entertainment, causes, any component of your life that you love, that you care about, that you're passionate about. And it, once you've done that, then the ability to talk to that audience component is very much streamlined. You can create storytelling components, and you just heard those from uh, from Rasmus. He talked to you about how technology could help him uh, be a better sailor and help the team that he sails on to, to win regattas. We didn't talk about um, bits and bytes. It was all in the narrative of, what that component can do for you. So the real narrative then becomes, what is it that sports entities are doing that creates the ability to have a relationship with their fans that's so tight and so free that fans will paint their face, they'll wear certain colors, they'll wave flags, they'll cheer for something that they love. Um, we believe that if you can do those same sorts of things with your brand, whatever it is, if it's an automobile or if it's uh, a food or if it is another piece of technology, then you're going to have a unique opportunity to have a customer engagement and commerce experience that is um, is second to none. And we see that across the 25 industries that that, that we do business with more and more, the highest priority in an organization is customer experience. And all of us who consume goods and services around the world know a good customer experience can create a fan and a mediocre customer experience will leave you just feeling ordinary and a bad one will mean that you you probably aren't going to have anything to do with them again. So that's the real story is how do we connect what these sports entities are doing to keep fans excited, to have them paying lots of money to come and spend days watching a sport, Uh, those same tactics can be applied to business as well.
0: Chris, do you think businesses get this message? Do you think they understand that a satisfied customer or a great customer experience is really building a fan base? We don't usually talk in those terms, Chris. In, in in my travels through SAP Game Changers Radio for the past four years, I haven't really heard the word fan until we get into this sports mode today. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about and, – and, and maybe this is the excitement that we're missing. Talk to me. What do you think?
3: Yeah, I, I absolutely know, having lived out in the field – for many years that that we're on the cusp of something pretty incredible so if you look at let's forget about sailing and talk about football for a second if you look Mm -hmm. at european football you're a bayern munich fan you will paint your face you will take your shirt off when it's uh, freezing outside uh to to cheer for your team and what that team does is they give you ways to surprise and delight the experience, they keep you involved, and they take you on a journey. Well, that same approach, when applied to a retailer, such as Burberry or um, Aldo or any of the various retailers across the world, could definitely come into play. How do we build a better relationship so that the person that we do business with becomes a fan of our brand? and one tactic that you could use if you're a retailer is you suddenly can have sensor based techniques in the store where you can provide offers for them. You obviously all of us get emails that opt in for emails from the uh, the people that we do business with, but there're just so many things that you can do to take your relationship with your customer to a next level. And using the tactics from sports entities is a very, very powerful tool if it's used properly. And we see across many industries, and not just retailers, you, you see this in automotive, you see this in, in pharmaceuticals and healthcare, building a closer relationship with your customer and treating them like a fan in a sport is a really powerful way to be able to integrate your customer enga- engagement and commerce strategy into your daily life in a very organic way.
0: Chris, I'm I'm thinking of a quote from Jeff Bezos. We were talking about it on Coffee Break with Game Changers yesterday, one of our other current 11 series here on Game Changers Radio. And I just want to bring this to your attention. I, I think you'll like this. He says, we see our customers as invited guests to a party, and we are the hosts. But, Chris, if we take this and extend it into what you and I are talking about in terms of making your customers fans, excited, devoted, loyal fans, and giving them a reason to be excited, that goes from just coming to the party which sounds a little passive to being a fan, meaning more actively engaged. Do you you like that segue? Does this make sense to you?
3: It totally makes sense for me, Bonnie. I think some of the metrics that we've seen in in the work that we do inside SAP is that if you take a fan-based approach to a, a segment of your audience, they're five to six times more likely to want to do business with you. And they're also much more easy to educate because they understand the topic in in an environment that is interesting to them. So imagine if you take that exact same approach and you apply it to utilities where you're trying to convince people to use cost-saving utility components to reduce their overall energy costs. You you can still do that in a fan-based way, so it becomes really exciting.
0: So for a, for a business, for example, Chris, to give out tickets to to any kind of a sport, uh, season tickets to their best customers, they can take that lesson from what's happening in the stadium or on the field or on the track and bring it back into business. Very interesting. I want to uh, move this back to Rasmus Koster, who's waiting so patiently. I know you want to say something, Rasmus. Question for you is, do you think of extreme sailing as a business, or do you think of it as an individual type of sport where you and your team are that individual base who are competing? Do you, does it offend you to think of it as a business,
2: Rasmus? Yeah, yeah. yeah. First of all, I, I was listening, and 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 it's it's really fascinating how SAP have chosen as a sport. They they couldn't have, have chosen a, a sport that is harder than than, than, than when they choose sailing because uh, yeah we have a big problem with our audience in, in sailing. We're sailing far away, or it's at least a, a very complex sport. So to use to use technology in Sailing, yeah, we, we need it, and uh, obviously the, it's a good platform to show what uh, what SPP is able to do. So uh, I think if it works there, then it then it definitely works in, in other places. And um, yeah, we we do look at uh, at sailing as a business as well, and and I think that's that's very Im- important in in sports. We um, we we need to do a big return, otherwise you you're not a part of uh, professional sport in the in the future. So if Companies should be interested in sailing. They should also give it a good return. So I think we are looking into what this extreme sailing series platform delivers to the sponsors, and that's a very business way of, uh, of thinking. It's not only for me about uh, getting quickly around the course. It's also about how happy can the, the fans be around sailing, and we're very fortunate to, to be able to have um, technology to, to help us to engage more fans, and we really enjoy all the people that, that come and watch and, and also comment on, uh, on social media, or other places, uh, about our uh, performance. And uh, it's a big world, and, and I think the digital part of sport is going to grow enormously. And, and sailing as an analog sport has somehow been the test platform that can prove how you can transform these uh, sports.
0: Thank you, Rasmus. Uh, Chris, I want to ask you to segue into some other sports in terms of how technology is playing out. I'm looking at your bio here, and you say you've built award-winning partnerships with sports leagues, including the International Cricket Council, the National Hockey League, National Basketball Associations, National Football League, Women's Tennis Association. My goodness. Talk to me. Are all sports using technology today, even if they're not extreme sports? Chris, what do you see?
3: Yes. Sports and technology are completely integrated today. I would say that many of, in fact, this is you know, just an opinion from Chris Burton, but I would say that every top team in the world in a Tier 1 sport probably has a data scientist that's looking at at reams and reams of data for performance, operations, or fan engagement. Uh, there are just so many opportunities to analyze segments of the business of sport that you're going to find evaluating and looking at these components really, really important. But for me, there's also those unexpected ways where technology can really change the tapestry of the sport. You you mentioned the work that we're doing with women's tennis. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the interesting facts about the Women's Tennis Association is that during a match, they provide the opportunity for the women who are playing the match to have encore coaching. So every third game, when the players sit down and have a drink and use their and towel off, the, it, they can opt in to have their coach come out on the court and help them. Mm-hmm. Um, the technology that's being applied to that is the use of approved tablets and mobile devices to capture all of the activity that's happened during the game so that the coach can come onto the court and he can give advice to the player that can help them win their game. Now, why is that interesting? Well, some would say, let's not do that, and others would say, let's do that. Um, Mm -hmm. The founder of the WTA, Billie Jean King, was asked about this last year at the WTA finals in Singapore, and she said, This is a game changer, and here's why. Because it takes the emotion out of the sport. If you're sitting there losing a match, your emotions are going crazy with you. And having that real-time information, you can see, well, this is what I'm doing wrong. I just need to correct that, which makes it really amazing. But the real story there is there's a Billie Jean King somewhere in the world that isn't wealthy who might want to be the next big tennis player. And cloud-based technology like that will give her the same opportunity in life that a very wealthy tennis player would have. And, and for us, we think nothing goes better with helping the world run better than to give someone a chance that didn't happen before. So it, technology is revealing itself in a whole variety of ways across uh, the industry of sport, and many of them are really fascinating game-changers.
0: Chris, I, I found an interview while you're speaking. I found an interview on Newsweek.com with Billie Jean King. I'm not sure what the, the date is. Oh, my goodness, all the way back in 2009, not quite the last millennium. But here's a comment. This goes goes to what you said. Billie Jean King said, if we have the technology, we should use it. It gives a player peace of mind, and it engages the fans. Anytime you can make things better for the players and ex- improve the experience for the fans, you are hitting winners. What do you think of that? Back in 2009, Chris, it's right there. <laughs> Quick <That's> draw. Absolutely,
3: <laughs> absolutely amazing. And it, you, you do see it all the time across sport. Um, in sailing, which is what we've been predominantly talking about today, We've we've watched this sport evolve just in the last 15 years to a place that is unbelievable. Maybe um, Rasmus can talk about this a little bit more. The, the next iteration of his uh, his sailing Ferrari, his boat, it will have oils. And so these boats are literally going to fly across the water. And it's a, as a result of technology that you're able to, to find ways to make the boats go faster and faster without adding an engine. So there are just a number of things that are really going to change the entire sport's Landscape. And the other
0: Rasmus. I, I, I want to get Rasmus to talk about that before we forget, Chris. Just hold on a second. Rasmus, what is this about okay. sailboats fly sailboats flying? We'll come back to you Chris. Sailboats flying really Rasmus?
2: Okay. Oh yeah, that's that's the future. So um, yeah you um, you can sail with the catamaran we're racing today, you can sail twice the speed of the wind. But with the falling catamaran you can you can do maybe three times, four times the speed of the wind and, and the reason for this is that what's holding us back what's the biggest drag component is, uh, is sailing a boat through the water. The water gives you a, a thousand times more resistance than through air. So you don't want to have a lot of components in, in the water. And by minimizing that, um, by using foils that, that flow through the, the water and gives you lift, then you're actually flying on the on the water. And it's, it's incredible how, how the sport of sailing has evolved the last 10 years. It's, uh, it'll be a good show, and I'm pretty sure that all the people that will follow it will be impressed uh, with the speeds that the boats are doing, and with the reactions that you need to do. To do. And, and you need to, you need to be assisted in some way because there's a safety component. You, you need to make sure that what you're doing is safe. You also need to think very quick and react very quick. So your preparations need to be perfect. And I think that's that's really what um, what is so. Interesting with the with the sport of sailing is that there's a it it's really evolving uh, at a quick pace and, and you can be a part of it.
0: I I'm wondering if you're going to need an airplane license, a pilot's license to pilot a boat if it's going to be flying. <laughs> I I'm sorry I had to. Chris let's bounce it back to you quickly and then we're going to move in about 2 minutes we're going to move into our predictions round and we'll really talk about the future. The flying crystal ball is what we'll call it today or the sailing crystal ball. Chris, you want to finish your thought about technology and business, please?
3: Yeah, I I think there are so many uh, intersections between uh, fans and brands in sport mm-hmm. and fans and the brands in business. And, and the metaphors that are used, and you even just heard the things that Rasmus was just talking about the concept of of reducing the drag on the boat as it goes across the water because water's the drag, so you put it in the air. Uh, there are those same kinds of things that happen in business as we create.
0: We have Chris. Linus, can we drop Chris? Rasmus, can you still hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, it looks like Chris dropped for some reason, or he just fell off his chair, or he flew out in a sailboat. He'll come back to us. Not to worry, Rasmus. Yeah. I'm going to kick it over nope. to you. Yo. Chris, are you back?
3: I'm here. I, I don't think okay. I dropped out. Can you hear me? Yeah,
0: we lost. We lo- Yeah, we lost you for for a couple of minutes there. We just lost you for about uh, forty seconds, actually. So finish your thought.
3: Yeah, I just—I I was saying there is a huge connection between sport and business, and the ability to use the, the learnings in sport and to apply it to business is a powerful one. And I gave some examples about what, what happens in sailing. The drag across the water uh, slows the boat down. When you get the boat out of the water, it goes faster. So how do we apply those same rules in the other industries that we serve?
0: Thank you very much. Guess what? We've got about four You're minutes welcome. left till the end of the show. I'm going to give you each 90 seconds for predictions. So let's sail into the predictions round. Rather than sliding into home plate, we're going to sail out on the, the, the blue skies and, and smooth oceans for a moment here. Rasmus Kostner, talk to me. In the year 2020, or anytime time you see, clearly in the crystal ball, whether you see blue skies in the future, how far ahead can you predict, and what will be different for the sport of extreme sailing in terms of technology? Rasmus Kostner, sixty I'll give you ninety yeah. seconds predictions go
2: yeah well at the at the pace uh, that sailing is moving at the at the moment then it will be hard to predict it but uh, that's also why I think that the predictions will be maybe one of the most uh, important things and um, and we uh, we definitely as sailors want to prepare ourselves and to to train as good as we can to to be able to perform good so so I think it's it's the prediction tools that are that are really interesting for us and the ability for us to train when we want and to get better when we want. So it's not only on the boat that we can become better sailors or sportsmen. It's also behind the computer. It's when I can spare a moment and, and when I have the time that I can educate myself in the things that I need to improve. And I think uh, that's, that's going to be so strong. And uh, you might even see that when that part of our sport gets, digitalized, then we would be able to compete against other guys that maybe worsen not sailors uh, or they can, they can compete against uh, the, the, the real sailors in the real world. And that's where this uh, sport this of ours is, is going to be uh, something that everybody can share. And that would be a great future for us if uh, sailing is something that we can share with a lot of people.
0: Thank you. Great, great thought to leave us with. Chris Burton, I can give you 60 seconds for predictions. You knew that was coming. And Chris, I want you to predict if technology will or will not help to take complexity out of extreme sports like sailing and give us that wonderfully revered new goal of simplicity. Chris Burton, predictions, anything you want to talk about, 60 seconds, go.
3: Absolutely. I, I think it will continue to take complexity out of the sport, the, the way that it's executed, but also the way that it's consumed. I think the rise of virtual reality and how that can be used to experience the sport is going to completely change the the fan and what he or she will see and do. I know with the NBA, which we sponsor, they only uh, have 2% of all their fan base that ever get to actually sit courtside and and see a game. So how do we get the other 98% on board? So virtual reality will play an increasingly popular role in sports and with technology. And also as more and more of the digitally native consumers come into the workforce and begin buying tickets and and experiencing these sporting events, you're going to see a demand for, Loads and loads of technology, and the second and third screen experience, in addition to seeing something live, is going to become something that's a mandate in every venue. So that's what we see as we look into the crystal ball.
0: Thank you, Chris Burton. I have to say thank you to both of you, Rasmus Kostner. Thanks for coming in to dry land for an hour to talk to us. I know you've been out sailing all over the world. Hard to pin you down. I'm so glad we were able to do this. And thank you, Chris Burton. I know you're a busy guy as well out there in the world looking to make technology part of businesses as well as part of sports. And uh, bravo to you. I want to do a special shout-out to Catherine James at SAP who worked so hard to put this panel together. Catherine, bravo. Bravo. It worked beautifully. Romana Reidinger as well, who is a sponsor of this series, along with Reno Samuel. And a thank you to John Ward, John G. Ward 3. I don't know if he's the third, but he's number one in my book for tweeting. He captured a lot of the words of wisdom spoken by Rasmus Costner and Chris Burton on the show today. I'm Bonnie D. Graham signing off for another live edition of Meet the Visionary Game Changers. And we sure did. And a shout out to Justin, our engineer extraordinaire today at World Talk Radio. So here's my call to action. I think it applies to sports as well fasten your seatbelt i don't know about that on a sailboat maybe it's your harness what are you waiting for go out and be a game changer today talk to you next week monday on financial excellence with game changers have a great one bye bye
1: thanks again for tuning in to meet the visionary game changers presented by sap the best run business is run sap To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.